When we talk about the real battle, that's never discouraging to me because that's where we live. So, you know, a lot of times we talk up here and we live down here. And uh, I really appreciate how God used his servant today to help us to really connect with where the battle uh, really is. Uh, and also where the victory really is, because it's in Jesus. Amen. Uh, he said he would be with us. He would never leave us or forsake us. He said he would go before us to make crooked places straight and rough places smooth. And so wherever we are, Jesus is there. Amen. So if we fight the snake or we're dealing with the Leviathan or the behemoth or whatever it is, Jesus is there. And so when Jesus is there, everything is going to be all right. Have you been enjoying the times with our worship team? They've been doing an amazing job. Jana, Jeff, the whole team. Amen. Hallelujah. They don't just play songs, but they sing with the Spirit. And uh, I really appreciate them so very much. And, and they've worked diligently and prayed over the songs because they want it to be a blessing to each one of us today. Uh, and so I'm so grateful for their time of preparation. If you have your Bible, you can follow along as I talk a little bit from the book of Habakkuk um, about how the Lord is going to refresh us in the midst of the years. It's very important that as we are journeying along in all of the stuff of life and all of the things that come along with the call to ministry, to know that the Lord has appointments set aside to refresh us and to revive us in the midst of all that we're going through. As we're going through the challenges and we're wondering how this is going to work out or that, and, and you see Habakkuk having this conversation in the first two chapters with God about the world and how it's really in chaos, if you let me say that following um, Pastor Gary. He was looking at the chaos of what was going on with uh, Israel as they were being chastised and, and God was using Babylon to do that. And the prophet was really questioning the Lord in those two chapters about why things are the way they are. He starts out in verse number two of chapter one and says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear, even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. He was questioning God's method of how he does what he does. I don't know if anybody in here has ever questioned God's methods, but Isaiah says that God says, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts, and as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways different than yours. And But we've all had those questioning times, and and so Habakkuk was crying out, why are things the way they are, Lord? And as we cry out in our heart about those things, it's amazing that when he came to the conclusion at the end of his conversation with God, he came away with this understanding that the just shall live by their faith. It's a faith walk. It's a faith battle. It's a faith life. Uh, and when we live by faith, then we let God take care of all the things that we don't understand. In chapter 3, verse number 2, it says, O oh Lord, I've heard the report of you and your work. 
O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive your work. Make it known. In wrath, remember mercy or compassion. We've heard of the report of God. We've heard the report of his works. When you read through the Bible and you read through uh, the, the, the journey of God, we see his mighty acts. We see his mighty works that he worked through Israel and, and with Abraham and with Moses. We just got through singing that wonderful song, Lord, show me your glory. We see and we've heard the report of God and his works. And he says, oh, Lord, do I fear, do I reverence, do I worship. When you hear the works of God, does it make you worship anymore? He said, it causes me to fear. It causes me to reverence. It causes me to worship. Many times when we hear about the, the works of the Lord, we have a question, why aren't you working that way for me, rather than entering into a time of worship? But he says, oh Lord, it causes me to reverence you. It causes me to fear you when I hear. That's why it's so important that we stay in the word of God. Because that's our sure anchor. Here, anchor. His words and his promises, they never fail. He keeps his covenant to a thousand generations. And so when we understand and we hear the report of God, of his faithfulness, of his mercy, of his compassion, of his love, even when we're going through the tests and the storms and the battles of life, we will have a song in our heart. We will have worship that will come forth from us. Worship doesn't come from a void place, but it comes from a place of relationship that is born out of trust in the midst of the stuff. Hallelujah. And the Father is looking for those kind of worshipers, those who will worship in spirit and in truth. We can worship in truth from where we are, no matter where we are in the midst of the test, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the years, we have a song to sing because God rejoices over us with singing. Psalm 44 verse 1 says, We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us the work you did in their days, in the days long ago. Psalm 71 verse 20 says, Though you have shown me many troubles and misfortunes, you will revive me once again. Even from the depths of the earth, you will bring me back up. Psalm 85 verse 6 says, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? God has set an appointment of revival and renewal, awakening. He has not forgotten about us. He's reviving us in our faith. He's reviving us in our soul. He's reviving us in our love. He's reviving us in our thankfulness in our graciousness. He's reviving us in real fellowship with him. Hallelujah. He says he will revive us in the midst of the years. What is the midst of the years? We live in a, in a season where we want everything taken care of now. I shared this story. I grew up in a home where my father was a completely dedicated servant of the Lord. And my mother was an alcoholic, and she didn't walk with the Lord. And for 45 years, we prayed for Mama. 
Lord, revive us in the midst of the years. There were times we thought that mom would never come to the Lord. God's midst of the years doesn't look like our midst of the years. He says, in the midst of the years, hallelujah. You say, I've been waiting a long time. Your revival is on the way. He says he will revive us in the midst of the years. Now, God knows what the midst of the years for us is individually. I remember my mom came. She'd never heard me speak, and I told mom, I said, Mom, you never come to hear me speak. She said, oh, no, I'm not interested in that stuff, son. But, you know, if it's good and working for you, I'm glad for you. But a number of years ago, it was Christmas time, and I was visiting Florida and all of my brothers and sisters there, there's seven of us, and my brother-in-law pastors a church, and so we said, Mom, come. I'm going to share uh, uh, at, at the church today. She said, okay, well, since it's Christmas, I'll come. <laughs> Thank God for Christmas and Easter. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so she came on Christmas, and I shared and when I gave the altar call, there was only one person that responded to the message, and it was Mama. Hallelujah. <laughs> she was in her 70s, and she came down on her walker. And I said, well, Mom, how can I pray for you? She said, I want Jesus. <laughs> I was so overcome, I couldn't pray with her, so my brother-in-law, who pastored the church, he led her to Jesus, and I just stood there and cried like a baby. <laughs> and mom joined that church where her youngest daughter and son-in-law are the pastors, and she served faithfully until she passed away and went to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. They said mama would be sitting out on the, on the front step waiting for them. And she would get up early in the morning, and she was the first one to get there, and she wanted to be a greeter. And so she would sit in the chair because she couldn't stand too long on her walk, and she would greet the people as they came into the church. And she did that for almost 10 years, greeting the people and just loving on the people when they came into the service. The midst of the years don't look like what we think they look like. We thought Mama would have came in a whole lot early because all my brothers and sisters are serving the Lord. I have two brothers who are pastors. But God had her on a different timetable. I want to say to you that you are in the midst of the years and some issues and areas of your life and your ministry. God has not forgotten about you. And he's sending a refreshing wind today to remind you that revival will come in the midst of the years. Remember, he has compassion, mercy, and grace for us individually, and he has called us for his own special purpose. As the prophet continued uh, to, to mull over these questions that he had before the Lord, he got to the place that he surrendered. I think many times God is wanting us to get to a place that we surrender to his will, not surrender to the strategies of the enemy, not surrender our weapons of warfare, not surrender in the battle and to give up hope, but to surrender to his wisdom, to surrender to his timing, to surrender to his 
appointment that he has made for destiny in our families and in our lives. Perhaps you have children that are not serving the Lord and you have loved ones that you're waiting for to come in. I want you to know that the Lord has not forgotten about you and he is moving in the sanctuary of his power to bring forth his glory, to bring forth his power, and to bring forth his will. Can somebody say amen? I remember asking mom why she took so long. I said, Mom, we prayed for you for a long time. <laughs> she said, I know. <laughs> she said, I just wasn't ready. <laughs> you know, she had gone through all kind of sickness. A lot of people think, well, if you get sick, that's going to make you run in. No. She had gone through all kinds of brokenness in her life. But it wasn't the brokenness that brought her in because she was on her own appointment with God. See, many times we try to predetermine when someone will be ready, and we try to pre-qualify sometimes the people that we share with, uh, and we believe it has to be a certain way. God, help us to get rid of the limitations that we put on you. Because sometimes we superimpose our own understanding on God. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will direct your path. And we, when we acknowledge God and allow him to be God and we get out of the way, then he can move in the lives and the circumstances of individuals, of communities, of cities, of nations, and this world because they all belong to him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everyone who dwells in it. This world does not belong to the devil. He's called the God of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air. But I want you to know that this earth belongs to God. It doesn't belong to the devil. And so we have authority in the name of Jesus to do that warfare that Gary was talking about because we are sons and daughters of the king, and he has given us the keys of the kingdom. He's given us authority in his name to tread on serpents and scorpions, and none of the power of the enemy will harm us because God is with us. And so we are seated with him in heavenly places. And so if we understand and know that the earth belongs to God and the fullness thereof, then we can pray with confidence, we can pray with purpose, and we can wait on God. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will be refreshed. Hallelujah. There's a renewal and a refreshing when we wait on God. He says in the midst of the years that he's going to do something. I want you to know that in the midst of the years, while we're waiting for that time, there is a continual renewal and refreshing that we all can drink from every single day. Out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so there's a refreshing that comes to us when we wait upon him and don't get in his way and try to predetermine how he will do what he will do. God balances the scales. As Habakkuk was pouring out his complaint, you know, it's like, why would you allow the Babylonians to do this to us? And, but God dealt with the Babylonians too. See, God, from his perspective, he has it all in hand. 
We can only see through a glass darkly. We can only see a, a part of what is going on around us in our sphere of influence. But when we surrender to the will of God, when we surrender to his lordship, when we surrender to his love, when we surrender to his wisdom, then we can wait on him and be refreshed and we can mount up on wings as eagles. We can run and not grow weary and we can walk and not faint. Hallelujah. And so in patience, we can possess our souls. Uh, the Gospel of Luke says, in patience, possess ye your souls. In other words, don't allow your mind, your will, and your emotions to begin to dictate to you your commitment. Because sometimes we get tired of waiting. Is that right? <laughs> but if we don't allow the Spirit of God to refresh us, then we will end up making decisions that will interrupt the flow of God's grace and destiny in our lives. God's got a plan, and he's working it out. <laughs> so what is the work that you need God to revive in your life today? Maybe it was a ministry call that he called you to, and you became discouraged, and you decided to lay the call down to do something else. It's time to start moving forward again. Maybe it's a relationship that's hit a difficult and rough place and fellowship needs to be restored. God says, I will revive you in the midst of the years. Hallelujah. And as I was praying for us today uh, about this conference, I just sensed that there's a, a refreshing wind that God is blowing on the church today. For those who have ears to hear, for those who will wait on him uh, and not go with our own agenda. Wait on the Lord. If he's giving you a vision, don't try to change it and downsize it. As a matter of fact, he told Habakkuk, he says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. And the end, and in the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Write the vision. See, many times we step out with purpose and destiny, and we begin to go forth, and we get tired, we get weary. The people who said they were going to be on the team, they've left and gone. You, don't, you just saw the dust going down the trail. You don't know where they're at. And so you look at the vision and think, well, maybe I need to readjust this vision. Maybe God didn't really mean it uh, because now the, the money looking funny, the people are gone, and, and, and I'm stuck with this vision. God, did you really mean this? He says, write the vision, make it plain, and don't you change it. Hallelujah. Because the temptation comes to us to write something that we can manage. If it's a vision that God gave you, it's going to stretch you. Amen. <laughs> it's going to cause you to have to trust in him. It will cause you to have to wait on him. It will cause you to, to call on his name day and night. It will cause you to be a different person. Because the vision has to work on you first. Amen. Write the vision. Make it plain. The first person that needs to read it is, is you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Get a vision for mama coming to Jesus. Get a vision for your children, your grandchildren serving God. 
get a, get a vision for, for where the church is going to make a difference in the community where you're placed or your ministry where you're placed. Write that vision and make it plain and, and, and allow God to birth it through you. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, we will cast off restraint and we will turn to our former ways, but happy are those who keep the law. In other words, we need prophetic insight and prophetic revelation that God gives us on a continual basis so that we will stand and not move off of the mark of our salvation. Hallelujah. So write the vision. Make it plain. Make it clear. And stick with the vision. Hallelujah. God will bring it to pass. That's what he told Habakkuk. Write the vision. Make it plain so that he may run who reads it. Amen. You say, well, we've been working on this vision for a long time and we haven't even got to phase one yet. We're still at phase a half. And this thing got five or six phases to it. I don't know, Jesus might come back before this thing is fulfilled. Listen, you just be faithful to do your part <laughs> that you're supposed to do in your season. Amen. Because some of that vision might be fulfilled by some of your spiritual sons and daughters. Amen. Because if the vision is something that you can accomplish, then it might not have come from God. Because he'll always give you something bigger than you. It gives you a God-sized vision so that it takes a God to make it come about. Amen. And we're not God the last time I checked. Amen. We're servants. We're ministers in the house of the Lord. And so when God gives you that vision, you begin to run with endurance the part that you are supposed to play and be a person of faith. For the just shall live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Don't give up your faith. That's what the, 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 in the Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the saints of old, they stood in faith and they believed God. Many of them died without ever seeing the fulfillment of the things that God allowed them to see through the eye of faith. But they ran with endurance in their seed. And they did not quit. They did not give up. And they will reap the reward for their faithfulness. Hallelujah. We live in a society where we're judged and we're based on what we can accomplish uh, with our own hands. And so if we, if we give into the fear of men's faces, which is a snare, uh, if we look for the approval of other people, it will cause us to get on a treadmill that we will wear ourselves out. That's one of the tricks of the enemy is to wear the saints out. And we will wear ourselves out trying to do it all overnight or in a season that we're not in yet. And we won't have grace for it. We won't have strength for it. And then we become angry and bitter at God. Wait upon the Lord. Because he says he will revive us in the midst of the years. In other words, he will give you what you need so that you will be able to complete what you were supposed to complete. Amen. And we have to be satisfied with the portion that God gives us. Sometimes we're not satisfied. Sometimes the people we're serving with won't let us be satisfied. Amen. Because they're looking like, come on, make it happen, preacher. Make it happen, pastor. You said it's going to happen. Make it happen. When is it going to happen, pastor? You said this. When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And they keep coming back. And before you know it, you're, you're beginning to think, well, maybe it's not going to happen. And it undercuts your ability to stand and wait upon the Lord. And then we go and give birth to an Ishmael. 
We go out and create something in our own flesh because we could not wait for the promise. We could not wait for God to move because we were moved by our emotions. We were moved by the pressure of the situation. And pressure sometimes will force us into a decision that is outside of the will of God. And then you say, well, where is my refreshing? The refreshing is there. Amen. He says, in the midst of the years, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to revive you. I'm going to refresh you. I'm going to give you what you need. And we need the presence of the Lord like never before. If we don't have the presence of the Lord, we might as well not move. And that's really what Moses was saying. He said, if your presence doesn't go from me, I'm sitting right here. And I'm not moving because I know I can't handle these folks out here in this wilderness. <laughs> Amen. Because, God, these are your people. Amen. <laughs> and you know what kind of issues they have. So I'm not moving until I see your glory. Because I know that when I see your glory and your presence is with me, no matter what happens, it's going to be all right <laughs> because you're going to walk with me and take care of the situation. Wait for the glory of God. He says in this same book in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 14, he says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And what Pastor Gary was talking about this morning, he was talking about the battle that causes the glory of God to manifest. So when we talk about the glory of God, we think, okay, there's going to be a big cloud that's going to move across the earth like the waters cover the sea. No, the way that the glory is going to be manifest is through you and I as we are broken before the Lord and as we allow his power to manifest in our lives and, and the churches that we're involved in, the people getting a vision for their lives and begin to move out in their spheres and realms of influence, that's how the knowledge of the glory of God comes is those who are, God is working in and working through, move about the earth in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And so understand and know that the trial and the test that you're in the midst now is just for a, a greater weight of God's glory to be manifest through your life. So that this knowledge of him, what is this knowledge of his glory? The knowledge that I was in the midst of a trial and he didn't leave me there. The knowledge that I was dealing with a snake in the midst and the snake didn't get the advantage of me. I overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of, the of my testimony. Hallelujah. That's the knowledge of the glory of God. It's the knowledge that God met my need when it seemed like I was going to go under. It's the knowledge that I didn't give up, I didn't quit, I didn't fall short, but I continued to persevere because I know that God called me and chose me and appointed me and placed me in the ministry. Hallelujah. That's the knowledge of the glory of God. You don't get the knowledge of the glory of God just by reading the word and, and putting together some, some good exegetical teaching. You get the knowledge of the glory of God through living and through experience and through walking through the stuff and allowing God to lift you up out of the waters, hallelujah, that are about to overflow you. You get knowledge, hallelujah, when, when, when your grandchild is born three and a half months early, hallelujah. We have a little grandson that was born in September, three and a half months early. Little hands look like little baby doll hands, little baby doll feet, but all of his little digits were there. 
all of his organs. He's home now. But for three months, going back and forth to the NICU unit and seeing the glory of God. My daughter lost a son in 2011. He was born early, lived for six months and died. And she kept saying, Daddy, is this one coming home? I said, yeah, baby, he's coming home. She said, it seemed like God played a trick on me last time because little Benjamin didn't come home. I said, he's coming home, honey. And watching her day after day, reading her Bible and praying, going back and forth to the hospital, wondering, am I going to lose this son too? The knowledge of the glory of God is birth when we live out the faith of God. It's not born in a vacuum, amen. Hallelujah. Little Michael is doing really well. He's a beautiful little boy. And when he came home, my daughter said, he came home. I said, yeah, honey, he came home. She was terrified. You can certainly understand why, having gone through this before. But this is how the knowledge of the glory of God comes. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I glory in my infirmities. I glory in my weakness. I, I glory in those places of struggle because that's when the power of Christ rests upon me. You talk about living in the bigness of God. To me, that's living in the bigness of God. Not, not talking about a mountaintop experience when everything is going great, but living in the bigness of who God is is when you're in the midst of a crush and a circumstance that you cannot control and you have no ability in your own self to change and you persevere and see God get you through to the other side. That's living in the bigness of who God is. I wonder, is anybody serving a big God today? Do you serve a big, wonderful God? Hallelujah. That's the big, wonderful God that we serve, the God who doesn't fail, the God who revives us in the midst of the years, the God who gives us faith when we want to give up and we want to quit, the one who continues to, to push us forward and pull us forward. The Apostle Paul says, I forget those things which are behind me because they're constricting, they're limiting, but, but I'm going to press on for the upward call that is in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to look back there. Yes, I know what happened in that circumstance last month. I know what happened five years ago. I know what happened seven years ago. I know what happened ten years ago, but God is a God of the now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. I'm going to believe in the bigness of the God who loves me and called me. Hallelujah. That's the faith that Habakkuk came to. And that hymn of faith that he sings, I love this hymn of faith, chapter 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation, 
The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. Oh, hallelujah. Talk about a hymn of faith. But it started out, didn't sound like a lot of faith, did it? <laughs> Though the fig tree don't blossom, there's no fruit on the vine. There's no labor in the olive. It may fail, no fields, may yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stall, mm -mm -mm. yet I will rejoice. Hallelujah. Yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my fear like my feet like deer's feet. Hallelujah. I'm going to climb up those old rugged hills. Hallelujah. I'm going to climb up those old rugged hills. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a hymn of faith, y'all. Amen. The just shall live by faith. See, we have a, a, a message sometimes in the church that it doesn't create a lot of faith. There's nothing about sacrifice. <laughs> There's nothing about the real stuff of life. It, it, it's, it's a, uh, it, it is a, a message that is not built on anything solid. If there's no solid ground, when the wind comes and when the rains of adversity come and when the water comes, that house is going to fall down. But if we're building on the foundation of faith, when the circumstance and the winds come and the floods come, it may beat upon that house, but that house will not fall. It will stand, hallelujah, because it was built on something solid. Build on something solid wherever you are in your own personal life, in your ministry, in the call that, is, that God has given to you. Build on something that is solid. Hallelujah. It is that glory and that experience that you have with Jesus. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Well, see, the way that we get to know Christ as a solid rock is when he walks through the stuff with us. Amen. That's how he becomes a solid rock because there's a lot of people that sing those hymns and they hear those stories in the church when they grow up and then when life begins to hit them, they have no ability to stand because they heard the songs, they heard the concepts about Jesus being a solid rock, but Jesus is not a solid rock because you sang a song. Jesus is a solid rock because he brought you through something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know that you can trust him. You know that he's faithful. You know that he didn't fail you. You know that he brought you through. Then Jesus becomes a solid rock upon which I stand. And all other ground is sinking sand. Hallelujah. The psalmist David said, I've, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed out begging for bread. In other words, no matter what the trial is, I've seen the righteous come through. Amen. They might have came through limping. <laughs> Hallelujah. They might have came through looking a little tired and a little worn. But in the midst of the years, God sent something to them because they didn't quit and they didn't give up. He says, in the midst of the years, I will revive you. I will revive your work. I will make it known. And in wrath, Lord, remember mercy. In those difficult places of trial, God always remembers mercy. Aren't you glad he's a God of mercy? 
He's a God of compassion. Hallelujah. You know, you can trust in that. You can count on him to be compassionate as you go through the, the, the seasons of difficulty. Don't allow people to get in front of you and God. So you have to keep your relationship with God and don't allow the, 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 the pressure of the work or the leadership role that you're in, don't let anything get between you and God. If you allow something to get between you and God, you won't be able to access the grace. You won't be able to access the power. You won't be able to access the renewal that you need because you're trying to work through someone else. In other words, don't allow those concerns of the ministry to become bigger than God. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and exalt his name together. Hallelujah. Don't allow the pressure of, the, of, of decisions that you have to make that people want you to make a snap decision. You have to be the answer person. Amen. You're the leader. You got to have the answer. And if you step out trying to be the answer man or the answer woman and you allow that to become your profile rather than you seeking the heart of God, you're going to end up missing out on the mercy and the grace that is so freely available on a daily basis. You got to press in every day. I just say, Lord, it's just me and you. Amen. I'm just looking to you, the author and the perfecter of my faith. Yeah, I know I have to make some decisions, but I'm not going to be anxious about that. I'll make them when the time comes. I'm not going to let anything interrupt my fellowship with you. If we allow ourselves to get out of fellowship with God, then what we're doing is we're beginning to create an image. We begin to create our own way of doing things, and it does not have the power of God on it, and it will not last. I don't know about you, but I, I want it to last. Amen. <laughs> and the way that we do that is to stay in that place and don't let anything get in between you and God. I bless each one of you. I know that Sometimes the ministry is difficult. I also know it's filled with joy. Hallelujah. We, got, we have a lot of high highs and we have a lot of low lows. You know, I think about Jesus. He was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, you remember what happened on the mountain? You know, Elijah and Moses appeared. It was a great time of transformation. He came right off that mountain and ran into a demon-possessed man. So he come from the mountaintop down to dealing with demons. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. So you have high highs, and then you got to get down to the stuff and deal with the stuff and wade through the stuff, all in the same like, Wow, it's like, wow, it was great up on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, uh, Peter wanted to build a booth and lay, let's like hang out up here, man. This is cool. We having a good time on the mountain. Okay, then as soon as you walk down the mountain, a demon possessed, oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> High highs and low lows. <laughs> we need the presence of God to even us out <laughs> so that we can enjoy the journey. Amen. That's why he says, be being filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Understand what the will of the Lord is. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't care what your denominational persuasion is. This ain't Pentecostal. This is Bible. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Just be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm Reformed theology. I, hey, you need to be full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> because if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have trouble. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit 
because without him, we're not getting off base one. Amen. But with him, all things are possible. Amen. So write the vision. Understand that the knowledge of the glory of God, it will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea because God will bring his word to pass. Now, he wants us to be a part of that. Amen. So allow him to take you through every one of the situations that you're going through because you are building the knowledge of God. The knowledge of his glory is being built in us so that we will have something to take to the world and to the nations. Amen. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. As we told Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to nations. And we're the seed of Abraham, and the same blessing has come upon us through faith. Amen. Through faith, we have that same blessing upon us to be a blessing to nations. That means all the people that are in our lives and the places where God sends us to, he wants us to be a blessing to nations. But we won't be able to be a blessing to nations if there's no glory that has been built. Knowledge of God's glory hasn't been built in our lives. Amen. Because when you go, you go as a living epistle, as a living letter. In your community, to your family, wherever he sends you, you are a living epistle. You can't be a living letter to something that's not written on your heart and not written on your life. God's imprint and handprint has to be on you so that you can be a living letter. Amen. So the next time you find yourself going through a difficult time, say, oh, my letter is getting filled out. Amen. God, keep on writing. Amen. You're writing that letter, and you're really making it plain. Hallelujah. So glory to God. I know that people are going to get the knowledge of the glory of God through this one. Amen. So take that, devil. Amen. It's all for the furtherance of the glory of God and the knowledge of his glory in my life so that I can go and and release people from bondage and release them from fear and release them from the fantasy that they have about who God is so that they can walk in spirit and in truth as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen. This is what the Lord has called us to. Oh Lord, I've heard the report of you and your work. Oh Lord, do I fear. It makes me worship you. Because I saw how you delivered Moses. I saw how you delivered Abraham. I saw how you delivered all the saints of old. And it makes me worship you, Lord. It makes me glorify you, Lord. Lord, I hear the testimony of the Teen Challenge students. And I see how you delivered them. It makes me worship you. Glory to God. I sit sometime and I listen to the testimony. I'm like, man, I just want to start shouting and praising God because I see the testimony of God in the lives of those testimonies, and it causes me to fear God. I want to worship him. If you ever get to a place that you can't worship God, when you are hearing those stories, you might want to go and do a little business in the prayer closet. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because when we hear the report of God and his work, It should cause us to fear. It should cause us to reverence. It should cause us to worship. Hallelujah. Look what God has done. Look what God can do. Wow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In the midst of the years, revive your work. Make it known. And in wrath, remember always, Lord, mercy. 
Hallelujah. Sometimes it can be our own foolish decisions that gets in the path of our fruitfulness. Are you listening? David recognized his own sin, and he repented fully in Psalm 51. Repentance is the doorway to revival and restoration, vitality and life. The Lord is always calling for us to return and do the first works. We do the first works from a place of humility, courage, perseverance, and strength. When Moses said, Lord, I need to see your glory. God says, when my glory passes by, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, Moses. I'm going to cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but not my face. There's a place by me where you may stand on the rock. There's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. There's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. There's a place near me that you may stand on the rock. The Lord is calling us to the place that is near him. It's not near your ministry. It's not near your family. It's near him. When we get near him, we're in a solid place. I'm calling you to come near me, and you'll stand on the rock, and you'll see my glory. Stay close to him. Don't derive your identity from what you do, because the same people that gave you that identity can take it away tomorrow. <laughs> I don't like you no more. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but God won't ever say that to you. His love is everlasting. And he says there's a place that you can stand by him on the rock as his glory passes by. And he'll keep you covered. And you'll gain more knowledge and understanding of who he is so that you can take him to the world that he has sent you to. May the Lord refresh you in the midst of the battle as you're going through those times of building the knowledge of the glory of God. It's a good time. Say with me, it's a good time. Amen. Because everything about God is good. You know, the... When he created, he said, this is good, this is good, this is good, good, good. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. Hallelujah. <laughs> he said, it wasn't good for you to be alone, so don't isolate yourself. Make sure that you stay in fellowship. Whatever you're doing on the corner where your church is located, there's somebody else in your same city doing something great also. Fellowship, spend time connecting so that there's a, a, a corporate refreshing that, that goes forth in your region. 
Psalm 133 says how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity like we are here today. That's when the, the precious anointing of God will rest on your work. So I want to encourage you, don't isolate in your ministry, uh, but connect with other people in your region, uh, in your area, and, and make sure you keep that fellowship really, really sweet and good uh, so that you can continue to fulfill the goodwill and the good plan of the Lord. I really believe that there is a great revival that is coming to the earth. But I don't believe we're going to see it until we see unity in the church. And I really believe that God is, is really calling for a spirit of unity to come to the body of Christ so that we can work together. That's one of the things I love about this conference. We're from so many different streams of the church, and I absolutely love that. Uh, I love the church in all of its many colors, hallelujah, <laughs> and many flavors. God is a God of variety. And uh, let's major on the main thing. And the main thing is the cross and the blood of Jesus is the only way to heaven. Hallelujah. Uh, and we want folk to be born again. Glory to God. And we'll leave all the, all the minor stuff to the side and we'll embrace one another and love one another and, and just see the glory of God manifest on unified brothers and sisters so that we will see a re mighty revival so that people will want to be around us, hallelujah, because we're, we're sweet and we're full of the love and glory of God, hallelujah. And when they come in and they are broken into a million pieces and their lives are turned upside down and the devil has been harassing them for many, many years, you'll be able to walk right into their lives and meet them where they are because you will have empathy because of what God has brought you from and you won't be divorced from the struggle, but God keeps us in the struggle so that we can be able ministers of the gospel. We can't be able ministers of the gospel if we can't relate to nobody. Hallelujah. And so just understand that this is part of God's plan. This is part of what the Holy Spirit is doing is he keeps us in that place of tension between our brokenness and, from the, and the celebration of our victory so that we will have the ability to connect with those who are broken and bring them the truth from a true place of humility in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. His ways are not our ways. <laughs> His thoughts are not our thoughts. But if we just lean in and say, God, I want your way. I want your will in my life. Then we will be equipped for the work that God has called us to. And we'll be able to relate to every person that comes in. I don't care what their brokenness is. We won't be, we won't go, ooh, man, you heard that before. Ooh. No, 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 no. You'll be like, come on, well, praise God. I'm meet Hallelujah. Amen. I may not have been there, but I've been over here and I can relate to you. So let's get over here and talk about it and get you into the presence of God so that you can be delivered and set free and we can all shout glory and we can crush the head of the devil and we can see the victory that God has because we are warriors in the army of the Lord. Amen. Give the Lord a shout of victory in this place. God wants to revive us in the midst of the years. Maybe you've been in this thing for a while and you've been waiting for a breakthrough in a particular area and it's like, there's been a whole lot of years, <laughs> amen, and it has not broken. I want you to know that I really believe that God is about to bring some breakthrough in your life in these areas that you've been waiting for a long time and the midst of the years is just about here for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready? for revival, for refreshing, for renewal. Stand where you are, and I want to just pray over us. Hallelujah. 
I don't know in the midst of the years what that means for you, whether it's a, a recalibration you need to do in your ministry, something going on in your family, extended family. I want you to know that God is a good God. Hallelujah. He still works miracles today. Do you believe that? <laughs> he still works miracles today. And what you may be facing might be totally impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. All things are possible. Whether it's in your health, it's in your ministry, it's in your family, it's in your community, maybe it's in your own mind, a stronghold that has been tormenting you that you can't get free of. I want you to know that God is about to revive you in the midst of the years because we have heard of his fame. We have heard of his name. We have heard of his glory. We have heard of his power. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will not fail you. He will not fail you. I stand as a living witness and as a testimony. He will not fail you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When my daughter and son-in-law lost the first child, my daughter wondered would they get through it with their marriage. You know, because sometimes when you have a broken like that in your relationship, God worked with them. They're doing great. God is able. I watched him revive. I watched him restore. And I want you to know that he's moving into your life even as we're standing here. And he's bringing order to the chaos. He's bringing order to the chaos, and he is reviving you in the midst of your years. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, thank you for your glory. Thank you for your power. I thank you, Lord, that we have heard of you. We've heard of your works. Hallelujah. And it causes us to fear. It causes us to worship. It causes us to glorify your name, Lord. And so, Father, just as you met Mama... <laughs> at that altar after all those years. I thank you that you are going to meet us in the midst of the years, whatever that means for us that we're facing this afternoon. Bring forth your power. Bring forth your wisdom. Bring forth your glory, the knowledge of your glory into that situation. And I thank you that Unsaved family members are coming back to the Lord. Hallelujah. Sons and daughters, they will glorify Jesus. They will prophesy. They will be filled with the Spirit of God. Young men will have visions. Hallelujah. And our sons and our daughters, they will prophesy. And Lord, old men will dream dreams. Hallelujah. I thank you. You gave mama a dream. Hallelujah. In her advanced years. Hallelujah. To be an usher in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah, you gave her a dream. Lord, restore in the midst of the years. Revive in the midst of the years. And I thank you now for courage and strength, Lord, as we realize that the just shall live by their faith. Do it again, Lord, we pray. We commit all of these needs to you, trusting in your goodness Trusting in your mercy, 
trusting in your love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.